Hi, Courtney. Hi, Libby. It's our first episode of This Pod Is Your Pod. I'm so excited. <laughs> it's amazing. I'm so excited. It's been um, a few months that we've been thinking about this, and here we are. I know. I can't wait to get started. Today, we're going to talk with some incredible pantsuiters, and it couldn't be a better time. It's just a great time to dig even deeper in the stories that started in our Facebook group, the 4 million people that have shared over half a million stories, and gosh, 100 million reactions. And now we're going to get to dig in a little bit deeper with a couple of people today and, and moving forward in the podcast. Yeah, so here I am. I'm in Maine. I'm in my extra bedroom here. It's a very <laughs> quiet morning. I'm hoping that my kids don't pop in um, and interrupt. I'm sure that they would be delighted to uh, come on a podcast, but hopefully uh, we'll have a few minutes of <laughs> uninterrupted yes, well, talking There'll be an here. appropriate time one day for a cameo from your kids, I think. Yeah, <laughs> maybe <laughs> another day. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's been nine months to the day since uh, we started Pantsuit Nation oh back goodness. on October 20th. Happy we were birthday, in a different world Nation. back then. So yeah, I mean, October 20th, like things could not have felt more different. We were so jazzed up thinking about supporting Secretary Clinton. Pantsuit Nation really was about getting people out to vote, um, thinking about how we could rally behind her. And of course, on November 9th, all of that changed. And we've since pivoted and, and really thought about how we can as a community, like you said, 4 million people think about how to take action, how we can inspire each other, encourage each other to do more, to speak up. And like you said, I mean, there's we've got some amazing uh, people to talk to this week in the podcast. Um, and that's so much of what this podcast is going to be about is kind of diving a little bit deeper behind the stories, thinking about how we can move this community toward even greater collective action, understanding of how we can be a force to resist and, and to think about what we can do to further the values that, that we talk about so much in the Facebook group social justice, inclusion, equality, participating in democracy. I mean, that's something that's so important. And I feel like this moment in history is a really exciting time for that, where people really are, many for the very first time, understanding what it means to, to stand up and do something. Um, and so this week, the main thing that we're talking about is running for office, which we see time and again in Pantsuit Nation, people from all over the country taking that initial leap into running for office. Um, and that's something that's that's really important to us as a as a group and as an organization. And I'm really excited to talk about a few folks that that have some experience with that today. <laughs> right, absolutely. I mean, there's just, it when we talk about the kind of various ways that people can get involved, um, you know, there are some people who are, are so new to political engagement that, you know, calling your congressman or calling your senator is um, really the, the first step. And it's really exciting to see people who have kind of taken that step and then taken even the next step to say, you know, I could be a representative, that could be me. Um, so we're going to talk to some really interesting and exciting people about what that looks like on the ground that, you know, when we say run for office, we kind of, it feels a little bit amorphous. You don't necessarily know what that means. But today we're going to talk to both Christy Klein-Davis, who um, is a school board member in suburban St. Louis. Um, she ran for her seat after being inspired in November and posted in Pantsuit Nation. Her post got about uh, 7,000 reactions. It had over um, 1,300 comments on it. Um, so she's someone that both decided to run for office after the election and also, you know, joined us in um, posting in Pantsuit Nation. She's one of those half a million people that shared her story and got some great reactions. So we're going to hear from her about what it was really like. Fantastic. And uh, a little bit later, we'll hear from Amanda Littman, who uh, I have been just kind of 
so impressed with and how she's reacted in this moment. Um, she founded an organization called Run for Something, which is all about encouraging first-time candidates for run to run for local office. Um, so similar to Christie's experience uh, and what we're seeing all over the country as people step up to run for office. So we'll we'll talk to her um, in a few minutes. But let's um, let's hear from Christy first. Yeah, absolutely. Christy, are you there with us? I am. Good morning. Hi, Hi Christy. Good morning. We're so excited to have you here. I'm excited to be here. <laughs> <laughs> so I wanted to hear um, if you could just kind of start us off with how did you get yourself into the school board seat? What, what started your decision to run for school board? So like you mentioned, it really started, I think I toyed with the idea of running for school board before, but then after the November election, I, I was just... I was devastated. So, you know, mm, I just remember mm. for weeks, like just bursting into tears. And, right. you know, at the time I had, my daughter had just turned three and my son wasn't one yet. And I was like, what world am I <laughs> going to be raising mm-hmm. these two little people in? And just kind of couldn't believe that we were where we were at. I could not fathom that that the election had gone the way that it had gone. Um, right. It was so hard to believe, right? I mean, I, I remember that feeling as well, Christy, like waking up and just having this like disconnect in my brain, feeling like how, what is <laughs> what is happening and how did it happen? And and really having a hard time just like moving through all of those emotions. I, I, um, I remember that feeling as well. Well, and just, you know, walking down the street and looking at people and thinking like, oh my gosh, did you, who did you vote for? And just... <laughs> Like, right. like yeah. I didn't, didn't even know who was around me. Absolutely. So I think after I, I kind of went through my, I don't know, two-week stupor of, like, post-election grief, I thought, okay. Right. You know, I need, or I want to make sure that, how can I make sure that my voice is represented somewhere? Because, you know, I'm not mm-hmm. convinced. I know it's not represented in the White House. Um, and and I'm, not, I'm not convinced that it's represented in other places. And so I had mm. toyed with the idea of running for a school board before, um, not very seriously, but, you know, I think after the election, I really thought, okay, you know, our, if, if we don't have an educated public, if we kind of let go of this idea of making sure that all kids have access to a high quality public education, then where are we really going to end up? Um, so it seemed to make sense to me that that was something that I could do. Um, and so I talked to my husband about it and made a decision um, in December to run for office, to run for that school board seat, um, and really thought like, okay, this won't be that this won't be that big of a deal, but I can do it. I think this is an important group. Um, I saw that most of the people on the school board had kids that had already graduated. That seemed to be the group hmm. that it attracted. And so I thought, you know, why aren't there more people? whose kids are either in the schools now or aren't even there yet. And those are my kids. So making sure that our schools are, you know, or that my voice is represented in making decisions about the schools that my kids will go to. Um, so I, you and your husband said, oh, it won't be that big of a deal. Right. How did that turn out? <laughs> um, <laughs> we were wrong. <laughs> so I, I decided to run in December and he and I went together and I filed to run. Um, I think it was, it was Christmas Eve, I believe. So Ooh. he and I went, we filled out the paperwork, we're really excited. 
Um, and then I spent some time learning how to do like all the campaign finance stuff. So I had to, you know, start a committee and do all of that. So, um, that, that took some time and, you know, took some attention to figuring out how all that would work. And that's actually (laughs) something I'll come back to. And I think in January, I really just spent some time kind of networking and figuring out what the different groups were. So the district that I'm part of has a just, over 17,000 students. Um, It has five high schools. Um, So it's a big district. And so what are kind of those different subgroups within that district and how do I find my people? Um, Because my kids aren't at school yet. So I'm not kind of part of those natural groups that seem to form after kids go to school. So I had to find them. So I found a couple different groups and I ended up, there ended up being 11 candidates who filed to run um, for three seats. It was three seats. That's incredible. Well, and I think what was driving it was there had been some controversy over a health ed curriculum that Mm. had been approved by the school board about a year earlier. And I, I didn't realize, I underestimated how intense the controversy was. Um, So in Missouri, we require that our health ed curriculum be abstinence-based. So you have to teach abstinence first, so that's true in all the curriculums. (laughs) Um, But it does not have to be abstinence only. So the new curriculum certainly was not abstinence only, and it also introduced the concept of gender identity in elementary schools. Um, It recognized LGBT relationships. It started discussing mm. consent at a younger age, and to uh, I think a small group of very vocal parents, that was really problematic. And then there's this whole other group of parents like me that are like, "This is amazing. This is I mean, I wish it did right. not have to be abstinence based, but like, holy cow, yay for gender identity in elementary school." And uh, you know, obviously, sure, like here's the full spectrum of sexuality consent. as we can talk about it and. Yeah, kids right. are mature enough to, to get this information and then use it well so that they're making good right. choices. I mean, just what you were talking about, like those kinds of decisions and conversations that are happening in our schools are so <laughs> incredibly relevant to what's happening on a national right. scale. Like that's just such a perfect example of like one decision that's being made in, in, a, in a school district that has tremendous implications for 17,000 students, you know, mm-hmm. who are, are coming up through the school system and whether or not to talk about gender identity, consent, all of that in an early age. I mean, talk about how um, those decisions that are made on a local level can have a, a tremendous ripple effect. And, and um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's just an amazing kind of microcosm of what we're talking about, which is local decisions have incredible importance and impact. Right. And, you know, it didn't pass unanimously on the, at the school board at the time. And so that was, I mm-hmm. think, a driver for a lot of us to decide, I mean, not the only thing for sure, but a driver. And I thought, oh, my gosh, like, if it's possible that something like that wouldn't, you know, be approved, right. then my voice is not there. And so how do I make sure <laughs> that a, a voice that represents my thinking is there? And that would be by making it me. So... Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> Get your actual voice in there. Perfect. Yep. So in January, I found two other candidates that, you know, are thinking kind of aligned. We all had young kids in the district. So we decided to work together a little bit um, because it's, 
you know, it does cost money to run for office and you can't be everywhere. And this is just for, this is even just for school board. Um, so the three of us kind of aligned ourselves to, you know, obviously we each had our own campaign, but we decided to work together and we had the backing of a parent group that had also come together on Facebook. Um, and it started with, you know, again, parents that were concerned about making sure that this curriculum stayed in place, but also making sure that the district continued to move forward. Um, so, that that Facebook group had gotten a lot of attention and a lot of people. So that Facebook group ended up backing me and the other two candidates. So, you know, I, I said that I, I kind of thought that the parents that were against this health ed curriculum were loud and, you know, a little divisive, but I underestimated them. So that, and that's where things started to get kind of interesting with the election. And again, I didn't think that kind of the hate and the anger would be local in the way that it that that it turned out that it was. So there is a website um, that we all kind of had a hunch was run by this small group of parents, but they just denied, denied, denied. No, this is not us. Um, and it's a website that's actually recognized as a hate group by the Southern Poverty Law Center, and it's for how they target and quite frankly, bully LGBT students. That's terrible. So during the, the debate about the health ed curriculum, there were some students from the Gay Straight Alliance at the schools who stood up and said, no, like this curriculum legitimizes me. It recognizes me. You know, and again, kind of part of that national conversation that we're seeing about transgender rights and bathroom rights and all of those things saying, you know, this is what we as people who are part of this population, you know, this is right. And this group um, took pictures of those students and posted them on their website and called them all kinds of names. And, you know, we're saying, like, these kids are what's wrong with our society. And so there's this hate group that's active Gosh. and operating. And they, they really, at the center of it is really, you know, the health ed curriculum. So they took issue with, you know, gay students being recognized as people um, they took issue with gender identity being presented at a young age, and they twisted things, you know, so they would twist things into the school as teaching kids how to have anal sex. Well, no, they're not. That's stupid. That's obviously not happening. So this group had this, act, you know, semi-active web following. Um, and again, the, the parents in the district would say, no, 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 that's not us. We don't know who that is. Oh, my gosh, isn't that terrible? And... I think it was in probably March, um, all of a the sudden there were pictures of me and the two other candidates that I was kind of running with posted on their website, um, talking about how we're an extremist agenda and we need to be kept oh, out of Oh, you, you're the extremist agenda. You, yes. You are. Yes. That is correct. <laughs> <laughs> I and these other two candidates. Extremist messages of equality and representation. Yes, and we had done this. <laughs> okay, sorry, I, I'm sorry. I keep interrupting you. It's just so shocking <laughs> to hear that this is going on at like a school, local school board level. Like this is crazy. Yeah. Okay, keep going. Well, and we'd done a candidate forum where you know the public could come and ask questions, and we would all answer them. And um, you know, I made the decision at that event to just put it out there. So I talked about how there's parents bullying students. You know, I talked about how suicide rates and LGBTQ students are horribly high. Um, you know, I talked about disparities in school discipline for our African-American and other students of color. Um, and so that, you know, really kind of, I think, 
got their attention, and they knew that the the three of us were kind of running together. So, again, they had the pictures of us and our extremist agenda and how we needed to be kept out of the schools because we were a danger. Um, But in doing so, they actually put a a picture of one of the candidate's kids up there. Um, So, and he has young kids. So, they included a picture of his children, which is really just a step too far. I mean, not that you would put it past these people who have, you know, pictures of gay kids from the school calling them all sorts of things. But, you know, I think that really kind of solidified our don't do that kind of attitude. So take <laughs> yes. issue with me, take issue with my colleagues, but don't bring don't bring kids into this and like be grown ups. So you're hiding behind this website anyways. So we spent a little time and we and money and we did find out who owned the website and it is parents in the district. Um, so they didn't need to stop denying that, but that's really sad. <laughs> so these are, you know, parents who volunteer in our schools who are on PTOs who, you know, are, are watching football games and soccer games and whatnot, but that are actively kind of doing these extremely hateful things on the side and really actively working, I think, to pull our schools backwards. Was there any point when you um, felt like, I mean, were you sort of energized and motivated to keep sort of fighting harder and to kind of invest more into your interest in being on the school board because you felt like a a need, as you said, to have your voice represented? Or were there points where you're feeling like, you know, maybe this isn't isn't worth my sort of personal sacrifice in order to achieve this sort of higher goal, which is having you know, voices like mine represented? So I'm a competitive person. So for me... (laughs) Well, that's good. You know, for me, I was like, oh, uh uh-uh. Like, don't don't do that. (laughs) So, you know, for me, it it kind of fuels... It it fuels me. So especially Mm -hmm. when I see kids getting picked on. Like, don't do that. What's wrong with you? You're a grown-up. Right. Not that (laughs) we're not seeing that behavior modeled other places, but... Um, <laughs> it's not exactly <laughs> happening at the top, but yes. Uh-huh. Right. So for me, no, but I, you know, I will say for the, my colleague whose, whose kids were posted, his wife was really upset and I don't blame her, you know, now your, your kids' pictures are on this awful website and as candidates, your, your address is public. Your information is public. So people do right. know where you live. They do know how to find you. And that, that is a little bit, it's uncomfortable and, and so, you know, my husband has since made the decision to put security cameras up at our house. So that's fine. It makes him wow. feel better. And it's it's fine, whatever. But, I mean, people are so impassioned and I think just feel legitimized by some of what's happening that, that you do have to be a little bit careful. That's that. I feel like yeah. that's such a that reaction has so much grit to it. And I, um, I have to give you a lot of credit for that because it, I mean, it's just such a incredible story of just people doing something so terrible at a level that you, I guess, just wouldn't expect. But I, you know, it goes back to, um, what Libby was saying about local politics. Um, and just like the the potential ripple effect of all of the sort of negativity and those sort of messages to the students in your district. And I feel like really, I'm really happy that there's a voice telling, you know, that those students and those students that disagree with what's going on that, you know, you matter and your voice matters. So now you're, you're in the seat 
Um, you yep. won, you know which is very <laughs> exciting. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank um, you. What do you kind of have uh, on the agenda moving forward? What are, what are you, you know, advocating for? What's what's coming up? So I am really in a learning mode right now. So, you know, obviously in a district of our size, there's there's a lot to learn. I am really proud of our district, though. I think, you know, our district has pushed through in doing the right things for these kids. Our district has pushed through in saying, no, this is what makes sense. This is about kids' education. This is about, you know, doing what's right by kids. And we're not going to, we're not going to bow to that. Um, so I think, again, I'm learning, I'm learning a ton. There's not a discussion right now, obviously, about the health ed curriculum that has been passed, um, that is done. So I, you know, I'm honestly starting to think though about next year. So we'll have two seats open next year and, you know, who gets elected into those will, right. will matter. Um, there's seven of us on the school board. And I think that there's, there's definitely some people that I agree with more kind of philosophically than others, but I will say that for the most part, we talk about it. So, you know, what's been kind of nice is that, you know, one of the other, so three of us were elected, one was an incumbent and then one new person and I, and the other, my two colleagues did not, did not get elected. Um, but the other new person and I, I think have very different views, but he and I have been going through orientation together. He and I have gotten to know each other and we can talk. So, right. And we have conversation and, you know, I, I think what I have to do is not make sure that I kind of keep my eye on like why I ran. So, you know, we had an orientation with student services the other week. And one of my questions was, what are we doing about um, students who are undocumented or students that, fear, have fear, you know, who, who have fear about being deported or their families being deported. What are we doing there? Um, so bringing that perspective, because, you know, I think a lot of people come to the table thinking about, you know, ACT scores, which are important, um, you know, and kind of thinking about the experience for the kids that are going to be okay. <laughs> and so how do I be someone who's constantly thinking about the experience of the kids that are going to need a little bit more? So how do I always make sure I'm listening with an ear for for those students and asking questions and pushing things that are going to be relevant for those groups that I'm, you know, I'm honestly not a part of myself in most cases. So how do I make sure that those voices are there? Because in some ways, I, I think I'm the one that can that can do that and other people aren't going to. It's a great way of sort of recognizing your privilege and, and the things that, like you said, you might ne not necessarily have to um, encounter in your own personal life day to day, but then recognizing that privilege and then using that privilege to speak up on behalf of people that don't necessarily have a seat at the table um, is such an important role of being an elected representative. It's, you know, it's not about representing you and your background. It's about representing your constituents and the people um, that that are looking to you as an elected representative to to take care of them um, and to mm -hmm. to speak on their behalf. And so I think that's a really great way of putting it. And and honestly, is like a really very exciting sort of prospect. I think when people are kind of casting around for ways to to act and to think about how they can step up. Um, something like local school board is just so tremendously important. And I think maybe not always something that comes to mind immediately when people are thinking about 
like what what does it mean to be an activist? And I I think being on the local school board, um, you know, on, on any level is is a hugely important role to play. And I just I mean I'll echo what Courtney said as I'm just so thankful to you and people like you that are um, taking that on and and speaking up and using sort of your ability to have a stake in your community um, to speak on behalf of those that that really need people like you advocating for them. So it's awesome. Thank you. <laughs> So, Christy, thank you so much for um, sharing with us your your experience. It's, I think we're going to learn a lot from um, Amanda when we talk to her next um, about Run for Something, but hearing kind of that firsthand, these are the examples of things that happened um, from you is unbelievably invaluable. Um, it just gives people, I would say, a sense of like, be ready for the unexpected um, is kind of what I, I took away from that. And also that you can do it. That's right. really kind of the main thing. You can do it. Right. I mean, and the unexpected can be really, it can be funny too, if you kind of try and switch your perspective <laughs> on it. So you know, I think the day of the election, my people were, who were supporting other candidates were going to my signs and trying to peel the like disclaimer off of them. So paid for by section off of them and then call in ethics violations on me, which oh, like, that's just oh, kind gosh. of silly. <laughs> like, <laughs> like really? <laughs> You're, okay. You know, but then you have to deal with that. So, um, right. It, it can be actually humorous if you kind of, but it's real life too. <laughs> so, like, right. Right. Yeah. It's, it's funny to a point. And then you're like, adults did that. That's <laughs> like, and I'm calling the ethics commission. Okay. So. <laughs> uh, well, Christy, so much luck in the coming year. And I love that you're keeping an eye on those other two seats, thinking about the sort of long game of what the effect on your school district is going to be. And please keep us posted on how things go. Thank you. All right. Thank you so much, Christy. Okay. Thank you. Good luck with everything. You guys too. Bye. Wow, it was so incredible to hear from Christy. Just that's an incredible story. I can't believe all of that stuff happened at the school board level, but it's so great to hear firsthand from someone who actually went out and did it. And um, now we're going to get to hear from Amanda Littman, who is a co-founder of Run for Something, which is an organization that helps first-time candidates. All of the things that Christy was just talking about, they provide support for um, those kinds of things. And so she's going to be a great person to hear from. And hopefully people... um, listening to this will then run for something. So we'll talk to her next. Yeah. So we're going to talk to Amanda next from Run for Something. Uh, and she was actually listening into our conversation with Christy. So I'm sure she'll have some interesting observations to share as well. But first, I want to talk a little bit about how we are putting this podcast out there. And one of the things that what we'll be doing is reading ads from time to time and proceeds from those ads first. Make sure that everyone that's working on this podcast with us over at Digital Media are producers and editors and people that are working to get this podcast out to the public for free. You know, part of the proceeds go to them and the other part of the proceeds go to Pantsuit Nation and all of the work that we're doing behind the scenes to keep this organization going. So really love that we're able to have this resource for people to listen to, download, subscribe for free, and then I'm really thankful to our sponsors for supporting Pantsuit Nation, supporting the team that puts this podcast out there, and also supporting our mission of creating a a more participatory democracy, getting people engaged, involved, and inspired. So with that, I'm really excited to talk about Parachute. Yeah, so we're sponsored by Parachute Sheets. These sheets are 
so amazing. I don't know about you, Libby, but when I first heard of parachutes, linen sheets, I was like, linen sheets? But now I'm like, linen sheets. Like, these are so, <laughs> they're so cool and they get, they just get softer with every wash and they're made from really high quality material. They come in these beautiful kind of minimalist colors and they're just a really wonderful way to kind of make your bed a little bit more luxurious. You know, when you get in bed at the end of a long day, you really want to feel like you're you're treating yourself a little bit and parachute sheets are a great way to create that. Um, and what's even better is that Parachute Sheets also partners with the United Nations Foundation to donate malaria prevention bed nets. They've donated over 16,000 so far. And if you decide that um, your parachute seats are not necessarily for you, the returns are actually donated to Habitat for Humanity. So they're a company that's also thinking about how to make the world better while also making your bed a little bit better. So you can visit parachutehome.com slash this pod for free shipping and returns. They offer a 60-night trial. So if you don't love them, you can just send them back. No questions asked. So again, parachutehome.com slash this pod, and you get free shipping and returns. Also with Parachute, you know, one of the things that I love, I've got really little kids and I'm always worrying about the chemicals and dyes and like weird stuff that goes into sheets sometimes and, and um, something that I really pay attention to. And so knowing that there aren't any of those harmful chemicals or synthetic softeners or any of that so that when I'm like my kids are playing in the bed and I'm like fluffing up the sheets over them a million times because that's what they love to do. They're one and three years old, um, <laughs> that I'm not like releasing toxins into the air. So Yes, the bed is a special place, not just for, you know, serenity, but also for entertaining children for hours. <laughs> yes, <now>. it's for <laughs> critical fort building. Absolutely. Yes. So you can get your parachute sheets at parachutehome.com. And if you use parachutehome.com slash this pod, you'll get free shipping and returns. So go try them out. We're also sponsored by Books Company. Calling all gift lovers, party planners, and lovers of beauty, the Books Company was founded on the belief that there's nothing quite like the feeling of receiving flowers. They mark our most important milestones, brighten our most special memories, and offer a breath of fresh air to our days. And the Books Company has made it even easier to send and receive flowers the groundbreaking subscription service that delivers Farm Direct flowers straight to your doorstep. It's simple. Just visit books.com and choose one of their two packages, special occasions or regular deliveries, select a book style, and schedule your delivery dates. Beautiful flowers will arrive at your or your special someone's doorstep like clockwork. Whether it's refreshing your home with bi-weekly deliveries of farm fresh blooms or eliminating the worry of missing an anniversary or someone's birthday, subscriptions from books.com are the ideal way to guarantee happiness. This, I have to say, is kind of a good one for me because I live out in the middle of nowhere, so subscribing to flowers is always a nice option. <laughs> so a special offer for our listeners. Save 10% off their regular price and pay as you go. Visit books.com slash this pod to get started. That's B-O-U-Q-S dot com slash this pod to find out how you can save with a flower subscription. And with that, I'd love to um, invite Amanda in to talk about Run for Something, which, as I said, is this incredible organization that's been super active since the election and see what she has to say about about this kind of new wave of progressive activists who have decided to step up and run for office. So are you there, Amanda? Yeah, I'm here. Thank you guys so much for having me. Hi, Amanda. It's great to hear from you. Hearing Christy's story was just like so heartwarming. Like that's exactly the kind of person that we want to get to run for office. So it's so um, amazing to hear. Yeah, right. I mean, it's. Um, I was really inspired by what she said as well, and I'm glad that you got to hear um, to listen into her conversation. 
because yeah, I mean, it feels just like this perfect archetype for what you're trying to do with Run for Something. So tell us a little bit about um, kind of how Run for Something got started, maybe a little bit of your backstory kind of leading into to here we are in July um, and, and a little bit of an update of what's happened so far. Absolutely. Um, so I'm a campaign hack. I've worked on elections my entire career. Um, you know, worked for the president in 2012. I worked in the statewide governor's race in 2014. And then I worked for Secretary Clinton's campaign um, starting before it even launched. Uh, I spent two years as her email director. So if you ever got an email from the wow. campaign um, asking you to come oh, to dinner with you. to volunteer <laughs> with my incredible, incredible team, the joy of working with some of the best folks in politics for two years, which was, you know, the hardest thing I hope I'll ever do, but also the best thing. Um, after election day, I was sad, <laughs> like most of us. I was tired. Um, I took vacation, um, but mostly I was angry and uh, grieving like for, for our country, for, for what I thought was possible for women, for, for our party, for our values. And I started noticing that a lot of my friends from high school and college, who I had been friends with on Facebook or had seen you know, around, who had never really cared about politics before, started reaching out to me and saying, I think I want to run for office. Uh, I want to do something. What do you suggest they do? Uh, you've been in this world for a long time. How do I even get started? And for the folks who wanted to run, I didn't have a good answer for them. You know, there weren't as clearly an institution that existed for if you were a young person newly engaged by politics who wanted to run for something local, that you could go and ask for help and that would be that would give it to you, um, regardless of how much money you could raise or how much experience you had. And that felt like both an institutional problem and also um, leaving opportunity on the table and that we weren't giving away for young people, for people of color, for young women, a way to get in the door. Um, so along with my co-founder, the incredible Ross Morales Ricketto, um, who is the kind of guy yeah, that Yeah, shout out to school. Ross. <laughs> He's the best. <laughs> he managed school board races for fun. He's been working in campaigns and candidate recruitment for more than a decade. He's amazing. Um, he and I sat down and realized that between the two of us, we had the network and the skills and the uh, rage to start something and see what happens. <laughs> yeah, that, that critical so, rage. You yeah, need that. It's amazing what rage and depression can fuel. I know, um, lights the fire. So <laughs> it is remarkable. You know, people say, what do I do to start a new organization? And I say, have a lot of time and a lot of feelings you need to channel into something. <laughs> um, <laughs> yep, that sounds familiar. <laughs> yeah. So we were like, okay, around Inauguration Day, we'll launch. It'll be small. We'll try and get 100 people who want to run in the first year. Um, and we'll see what happens. This will be a side project for us. Uh, we launched on Inauguration Day, and in the first six months, we've had 10,000 people across the country sign up to say they want to run. Oh, my um, those God. Are That's amazing. Amanda, that is I amazing. They're just like you and me. I mean, they are parents and teachers and students, nurses, um, scientists, refugees, veterans, immigrants, and first-generation Americans who are mostly young um, from all across the country, men and women who are saying, I'm sick of complaining, I'm sick of marching, I'm sick of going to protest every weekend, I want to do something, I want to lead, will you help me? And Ross and I are lucky that we're able to provide a network for them, um, resources for them, and make sure that they're able to get on the ballot and run good successful campaigns and talk to more voters and, and really do something as opposed to sitting back and letting other people solve the problems for them. 
Amazing. That's wonderful. I, I feel like I've got so many questions because I, I'm just, this is like so exciting to me. I mean, I think it's such a tangible, powerful way to essentially create an entirely new class of people who are running for office that just didn't exist before. I mean, that, I mean, you just must feel so incredibly proud of that and it must be overwhelming and really hard, but I just, huge kudos to you and to Ross for the work that you're doing because it's just such a great, like I said, a great example of you know, taking advantage of this moment and and giving so many people a voice and a, and a path to follow. So what does that look like if someone is like, okay, like, I'll run for something? Like, th- what what are the steps that, that they can follow um, to sort of um, hook up with you and, and access some of those resources that you referred to? Totally. Um, so the first thing you should do is go to runforsomething.net. Um, if you just want to help other people running, you can just sign up for emails to get information. Um, if you want to run, click run, sign up. Uh, join one of our conference calls. Every week, um, our incredible organizing director, Sarah Horvitz, runs in conference calls for both new volunteers and new candidates. We answer questions, we talk through our resources, um, and we invite you to take care, to, to stick with the process. After that, you'll get added to a queue, and one of our incredible volunteers will reach out and talk to you and just get to know you a little bit. We're not looking for anything too crazy out of our candidates. We want, well, we look for four key things. First, are you progressive, whatever that means, wherever you are? Second, are you authentically rooted in your community? Meaning, do you have people there? Do you have a network there? Do you understand the problem that your communities face? Um, three, uh, are you willing to work hard? You know, Christy said it best, local campaigns are, run, are won by the local candidate doing the work him or herself. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have to be willing to put in the time and the effort. And then four, we look for people who are interesting and compelling and have good stories. If you meet those criteria, then we invite you into our community. We give you access to a network of mentors. We help refer you to programs that can um, train you. We make sure you get into those programs. We sort of grease the wheels for you a little bit on that end. Um, We provide referrals to state parties. We're always looking for candidates. We help connect you with press. Um, And for, at least in Virginia, this fall, we're doing fundraising. And hopefully over the next year, we'll be able to expand the states we're fundraising in. Um, This year is just a pilot to see how this works. You know, we get a lot of folks who come to us and say, I want to run next two years. What do I run for? What do I do? Um, And it's it's really interesting because we try and flip that question back onto the people who come to us. It's not what do you want to be? It's what do you want to do? What is the problem you want to solve? And what's the office that lets you solve it? And I think Chrissy was a great example of that, of there was something that she cared about deeply and um, running for that position on the school board, let her take action on that problem. Um, and that, I think, is, is the sign of a really good candidate. I love that. And I love this idea, too, of um, thinking about sort of not only thinking about specific offices and campaigns, but also just building a culture of running for office, which, to be honest, I think that Republicans have kind of outperformed Democrats um, and progressives in that regard for a long time, where, I mean, I, I live in rural Maine. You know, we are in the very red part of a kind of purple state. And um, Democrats and progressives often have a hard time sort of putting up candidates. And, and there are offices all around this part of Maine where there just aren't Democrats running. And so year after year, you know, Republicans are elected because they're unopposed. Um, and I think because the culture around running for office is much more prevalent in that community, in the conservative community, in my part of the state, than it is in the Democratic community, that, that we sort of see our, our 
activism taking different routes. And so kind of flipping the switch on that and saying, you know, if you, if you feel passionately about progressive ideals and you want to see change, then running for office is a key component of building that culture. You don't, you know, you can show up, you can vote, but encouraging other people to run for office, volunteering to support candidates for office that you support um, and building that culture is so important. And I think what you're doing, again, it's like about specific candidates and about specific offices, but more than that, it's around building a culture for like the democratic bench basically which in, in a lot of parts of the country is is pretty shallow or yeah. has been in the past I, I love also that there's it mixes this sort of demystification of what it means to do the work to run and also it takes out that like I think a lot of people and, and women in particular are, don't necessarily think of where their their personal strengths and how those match up with the things that you need to do to be a successful um, representative. Because so often, particularly at the national level, there are these kind of towering figures that we think about that um, they take on these sort of celebrity status and saying, um, you know, having a resource and having this, as Libby was saying, kind of building the culture of, you know, that that is you, that can be you. It doesn't need to be a name that is already a national household name. It can be, you know, your neighbor or your sister-in-law or the, you know, just the person who you think would do a good job. And I think what Run for Something does so well is say, um, is kind of give people that sense that um, they are the person they've been looking for, which I think is really great. No, I think that's absolutely right. Um, You know, one of the things Ross and I are really uh, hard on our candidates about is to keep in mind that election day is not the end of your civic engagement. It's the beginning Um, If you win, you have to govern, and that's a different kind of way of being involved. But if you lose, you've just engaged a community of people to volunteer for you, to donate to you, to vote for you. You're now a leader in your community, and you have a responsibility to that community that you've engaged with to keep fighting. And because you run for a problem and not for your ego, you know, you, you still have ways to do something about it. Um, So election day, win or lose, and I think we know all this, is that losing is not the it's not a stopping point. It's a starting point um, for so many people, especially for people who are running for the first time. Um, you know, you sign up to run, you're really signing up to run and once, twice, maybe three times before you win, which is really common for first time politicians, men and women, you know, right. almost right, every right. major politician at some point in their career lost often a couple of times. Um, so I think that's worth keeping in mind that you shouldn't be dissuaded by this idea that what if I, I'm not going to win. I live in a Republican area. You know, winning is, Yes, the goal, but it's not the only good thing that can happen out of a campaign. Yeah, that's great. Well, Amanda, thank you so much, not only for um, coming on to our very first episode of This Pod is Your Pod, which we're really excited about, but um, just a huge thank you um, for all that you're doing with Run for Something and you know, being out there, being a leader in this movement, being a, a woman, you know, starting this new organization, as you said, I mean, it's, it's, um, you know, an unexpected thing, which you weren't necessarily thinking would become your life. And you've just really waded into that in a way that is so inspiring to, to us at Pantsuit Nation. Um, and I know to so many people around the country and around the world that are, are looking for examples for how to act. And I think you're a pretty um, incredible example of that. So thanks for all that you do. That's so kind. And I should say, you know, as someone working for Hillary for two years, the folks at Pantsuit Nation, both in the Facebook group and you, Libby, like, especially at the end of the campaign when we were so tired, <laughs> the stories were so inspiring and, and moving. And it was so good to know that there were people out there who were standing with her and with us 
Um, and even if the election result wasn't what we wanted, that we had engaged this group of people who who cared. So I owe you a thank you too, because that was, we cannot quite quantify how much morale and emotional support and knowing that you guys were out there uh, meant to us. Well, that's good to hear. Thank you. I'm going to try not to start weeping. (laughs) (laughs) Hold it together. Hold it together. Yep. (laughs) Thanks so much, Amanda. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much, Amanda. Thank you, guys. So, Libby, um, I don't know how good you are at shopping, but sometimes I just kind of run into the store, I grab some stuff, I get home, and I'm like, what did I do? (laughs) I made a terrible mistake. And I just like, I don't, I'm not always good at keeping up with, you know, what the kids are wearing these days. And what's awesome is that when you get La Tote, um, which is a shopping experience where they give you brand name clothing and accessories that are shipped right to your door, one low monthly fee, you get the fit experts online and the style experts. They already know what's going to look good on you. (laughs) They send them right to you and you get to try out these things. And you know what? You never have to wear it out in public if you don't like it you can send it right back but you also get to look like you have great taste and style and walk around in cute outfits that people compliment you on yeah I mean for me it's not so much going to the store and coming out it's like there's no shopping where I live I live in the middle of Maine right yeah there's there is no store the general store doesn't have a lot of cute accessories yeah exactly and also like I've got you know two very small children and they're not super patient with me like going and trying on things when I do get to the store. So yeah, having Latote send me clothes that honestly, you know, are way more fashionable than what I would probably pick out online (laughs) actually gives me a huge boost of confidence when I'm going out like, you know, to the general store or maybe going on a date with my husband, if that ever happens, if we can get a babysitter, (laughs) having some accessories and clothes to wear um, is huge for me being, you know, someone that doesn't, neither has time to do much shopping nor a store to go shopping in if I actually had the time. So yeah, it's really great. You can rent up to $700 worth of clothing from designer brands like BCB, Max, Azria, Nike, Rebecca Minkoff, and a bunch of others. You can get as many totes as you want in a month. You can wear, return the clothes, um, get your favorites to come back, and then actually you can keep the ones that you want, um, and you get to purchase them at a low price, and all for a low monthly fee. So I found myself the other day, I was at a bachelorette party, and I was getting complimented on my outfit, and I was like, oh, these earrings, this necklace, and this sweater are from La Tote. <laughs> so I could, you know, I was... <laughs> I was out there, you know, it was it was working for me. Very exciting. I hope you took credit for it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Actually, I gave all the credit to Latote. I was like, no, I did not come up with this myself. <laughs> so go to latote.com, that's L-E-T-O-T-E.com, to get started for as low as $39 a month. Enter the promo code THISPOD at checkout to get 50% off your first month. Once you sign up, you'll receive your completely customized tote within days. You can wear what you want, return everything in the mail when you're done, and repeat all month long. Again, that's latote.com. Enter your code THISPOD, and you can feel fabulous when fashion is delivered right to your door. Hey everyone, Courtney jumping in here. So we initially recorded this conversation before four GOP senators came forward effectively killing the Republican health care bill. And now what we have heard is that Mitch McConnell and the president have been pushing for a repeal and delay. However, three GOP senators have come forward saying that they would not vote for that, which as we know now effectively kills that bill. So the important thing to do is to keep the pressure on. It's working. Senators are listening to what people 
are calling their office and telling them letters showing up, all of that. The message is getting through. So if you have a Democratic senator, call them to thank them. If you have a Republican senator who is against this bill, definitely call them to thank them and keep the pressure on. This fight is not over. This bill is not officially 100% dead yet. As we know, it's a Republican priority. So just keep the pressure on. Keep those calls coming. Thanks so much. And I'll now send you back to the previously recorded program. So we're um, going to get into a phone call with Kat, who is our chief operating officer out in Los Angeles. Really excited to talk to Kat. She's our, um, our call to action person. She's our operations person. She's our cheerleader. And uh, I'm really excited to talk to her this morning and, and uh, see what's on her mind. It's the Cat call. We'll we'll work up some music for that. I don't think that that's going to stick, but we'll come up with something. (laughs) All right, let's give her a call. This is Kat. Hi, Kat. This is Courtney and Libby. Hey. (laughs) Good morning. Good morning. Sorry for my very formal, this is Kat. You just never know who it's going to be on the other side. It could be, you know, Secretary Clinton (laughs) calling you. So you always want to sound formal. I think that's okay. Ooh, but yeah. it's just us. Sorry. You just got my imagination going. All right. We can shift here. How's it going? So, Kat, we just talked to two amazing women, Christy Klein Davis. I don't know if you remember her post in Pantsuit Nation a few months ago. Uh, She's a school board member in St. Louis. She ran for a seat, um, ended up having some, like, a hate group target her and some of her colleagues. But she persisted, and she won anyway. And um, she's doing incredible things in St. Louis. And then we talked to Amanda Littman, who I know you're a fan of, as we are um, in her work and and run for something as a co-founder, who was telling us more about um, the incredible response that they've had since the election with um, first-time candidates stepping up to run for office. So that was great. <laughs> and yeah, here we are. And um, what's on your mind this week? Uh, this week, lots of things. Obviously, lots going on on the news, but I'm really excited that you guys talked with, with both of them. Um, I just think it's so pivotal for folks to, to start thinking about running. And running for office is, is just such a... It's, it's such a daunting task, right? Especially if you haven't done it before. Um, it just takes a lot of planning. So really excited, especially now hearing that you talked to Amanda of the good work that her group is doing and getting folks ready to run for office. Yes. And you've got a little bit of experience of that, right? I was just about to say, <laughs> uh, we're talking to someone who knows a little something about that. Yeah, I, I ran for office last June, actually. And I live in Los Angeles County. And I was noticing that the uh, the Democratic Party... Uh, wasn't really representing exactly, you know, folks who, who looked like me. I'm, you know, I'm a 30-year-old queer person. And, uh, you know, I wanted to go run for a central committee seat. So essentially the way that the Democratic Party is set up in Los Angeles is you have a central, you know, party that kind of governs the agenda and sets the platform and follows whatever the state is doing. Um, and there are a few folks who are elected per assembly district to go and be basically the folks who work you know, on behalf of um, – the constituency. So I ran for a seat in my uh, new hometown of Pasadena, California. I got absolutely clobbered. I mean, it was the day <laughs> of the primary. So um, Senator Sanders and Secretary Clinton were on the ticket. So it was a very politically charged time anyway. It was mm. June 7th, 2016. So if you can go back to that point in time. And I mean, I just got shellacked. I think I came in like second to last. Um, but I've learned a lot in the, along the way and, you know, how to, how to lose with humility, but also, you know, what I could have done differently mm-hmm. when, when I was running. You know, I, I have a bit of a background in community organizing. 
Um, but it's much different when you're the candidate, even for just something so small, the central committee seat. Yeah. Um, you know, the first time you run for office is probably not the last time you're going to run if you lose. That, you know, losing is just the no. beginning, essentially. <laughs> that election day, whether you win, then you have to govern. And if you don't win, then you think about, okay, what are the next steps? And and that people that we now think of as being kind of excellent politicians, um, people that we recognize easily, you know, lost two or three times before they got to the positions that they're in now. So I think your story is really reflective of a lot of people's experience. You know, yeah, it's cool. It's cool to run and see, you know, there's, there's, you put a lot of yourself into it and it really depends on where you're running and what seat you're running for. And if you're running against an incumbent, I mean, I think the general advice is, is to run when the seat's open, right? I was in a unique position where I was one of, I was competing for one of seven seats, mm. right? So more of like a, more of like a board than you're the sole uh, representation, but there were 14 people running, right? So, and a lot of folks with the deep ties to the community, which if you're going to run local, like I think the biggest piece of advice I could give anybody is do that work, build your build your community um, inside of the town you're living in or the city you're living in or the county or wherever you're running. Um, make sure that, you know, you, you, have, an you have established credibility, right, mm -hmm. in that place. Uh, that was one of my biggest lessons learned there. And also it never hurts to canvas, like just knock, right. knock all of the doors. Get out there. Put on your most comfortable shoes, <laughs> get out there with your clipboard. Listen to listen to President Obama. If you want to change things, just go grab a clipboard and change it. So yeah. that's so and uh, being very connected are two of my biggest pieces of advice I'd throw out there. Speaking of Obama and his legacy, you mentioned the news, and I feel like one thing is at the top of the news right now is the AHCA. As you know, it's when we're recording this, Mitch McConnell has delayed the vote because of John McCain's surgery. But Kat, what can people do to make sure that the AHCA does not pass? I would say call, call, mm -hmm. call, call, call your senators, call them. Did I say call? I would say that'd be the first thing. I think, and, and when you're calling to, I think it's really powerful. We've seen a lot of senators starting to really embrace, you know, storytelling, right? They're, they're bringing out stories of folks in their constituency. Say, this is the actual impact of your policy, right? And I think, I think if folks can just continue to call, I know you call like all the time. I, don't you have... Your senators on speed dial? Yeah, they're saved right. in my phone. Oh, yeah. Uh, every entry starts with a Z, so I can just press Z, and then all of my senators, my um, congresspeople, my state representatives, and my governor, so I can just find them all and rip through my calls pretty fast. Yeah, and I would say just call, get in touch. If there's a town hall ha happening, show up, tell your story, be compelling. You know, make the, if, if folks are hearing your story enough, if you're calling enough, you know, that would be my biggest thing I'd say folks can do right now. Yeah. I think that's right. It's so important. And, um, you know, if, you're, if your senator is a Democrat, if they've already said that they're going to oppose a bill, still call, tell them to fight, tell them your story and express your, um, you know, your interest in them really kind of um, going all out against this. If your senator has already said that they're going to vote for it, don't give up, you know, keep calling, keep saying that you're paying attention, that you care about this and that you're not going to just sort of accept um, the reality of the situation and say that you're um, still hoping that they will listen to their constituents. Um, and if you're interested in finding more information about how to go about doing that, you can go to our website, pantsuitnation.org, go to our blog. We'll have some resources listed in our most recent blog post um, so you can get numbers, even get a call script. Take that step. 
call, use your voice. It's really important. This is a critical, critical moment, not just in terms of sort of politics, and this is kind of a, an important um, moment for Democrats and, and for progressives to stand up against the GOP's agenda, but literally millions of people are counting on those of us who, you know, can use our voices to stand up against this to take a stand. And so please, yeah. please do call, find resources on our website. Yeah, and the one thing I would add to that too is, you know, even so I live in California, right? But obviously, both both of my senators are, you know, opposing the AHCA. But it's also really important to call them as well if you can get through to their local field offices or you can call them to DC because you know those staffers are just manning the phones and, and they need data, right? They need the stories, they need folks, you know, to show up. But you know, I, th- I think it's also nice to say thank you to you say extend your thanks to your representative, but also to the staffers. Uh, who are working those phones pretty hard these days. Great. All right, Kat, so you want to stick around for our first golden pantsuit? Oh, what? Yeah, you're <laughs> going to be on for the golden pantsuit. All right, so. This is really exciting. All right. I know. We didn't, we just sprung this on you, Kat, that you get to be part of the first one. So the golden pantsuit I is. I surprises. <laughs> the golden pantsuit is essentially just a little bit of time for us to shine the light on um, some awesome, badass women doing cool things out in the world, um, whether it's women supporting women, whether it's women breaking barriers, just being amazing people. Um, so we're going to give out some golden pantsuits today. Um, I think it's appropriate, Libby, to say that this is kind of the, the intergalactic pantsuit version of golden pantsuit. Does that feel right? Yep. That's totally right. <laughs> so, I mean, there are some ladies out there that they're just taking special pantsuits, pantsuits this week. Uh, into space. So to different the, dimensions. The first, uh, the first um, recipient of the golden pantsuit is Jodie Whittaker. For those of you out there who are Doctor Who fans, you know that the new 13th Doctor was just announced. And this is the very first time that the Doctor is going to be played by a woman. So Jodie Whittaker, she is um, breaking barriers. This is an incredible moment. The Doctor has been played by men um, since its inception and most recently um, since it was rebooted um, about 10 years ago. And so it's a really big deal to have a woman playing this role. There's no reason it has to be a man. This is literally an alien that shapeshifts into human bodies. And so um, it's about time, I think, for a woman to be playing the doctor. So high five, Jodie Whittaker. Can't wait to see what pantsuits you wear on the show. So our second uh, golden pantsuit is sort of a, a wide, um, a big overarching award for the cast and the director of A Wrinkle in Time. The trailer was just released. It is unbelievable. So this is directed by Ava DuVernay. It's the largest budget ever for a black female director. Um, Oprah's in this movie. Mindy Kaling is in this movie. It's like a brain trust of all of the amazing people that you want to just like have rosé with and learn about their lives um, together. (laughs) And the trailer is incredible. Um, it is just the, the visuals are unbelievable and you get a chance to kind of see what I think is probably an intergalactic pantsuit on Oprah, but I guess we'll, we'll have to see when the full movie comes out. Um, there's also a relatively, <laughs> a relatively new, um, 
relatively new actress playing the main character. Her name is Storm Reed, and I can't wait to see um, how she tackles this film. I think it's going to be awesome to see um, someone who's really kind of new to this and then amazing veterans like Oprah and, of course, Ava DuVernay at the helm is just going to make this thing incredible. So absolutely watch the Wrinkle in Time trailer um, and just get jazzed about intergalactic pantsuits everywhere. I feel like we're tipping our hand a little bit here on like the nerd scale that happens behind <laughs> the scenes at Pantsuit Nation. <laughs> Just slightly. But uh, it's cool. I mean, yeah, I feel like next week I promise really we'll have about something about Beyonce or like, you know. <laughs> or when we, oh, we man. communicate in Hamilton lyrics, that happens a lot. <laughs> or Oprah gifts, <laughs> yeah. but it's fine. I'm going to put that photo of Oprah up on our blog post for this episode, and then you all listeners can decide if you think it's a pantsuit or not. I'm pretty sure it is, but you can't see maybe the whole ensemble. So it's possible that she's wearing like a skirt on the bottom. I'm pretty sure it's a pantsuit though. So go to our blog, check it out. Um, And also call your senators, call your elected representatives, fight for healthcare while you're marveling at the costume design for Wrinkle in Time. Gain your strength from the Wrinkle in Time trailer and all those badass ladies, and then pick up that phone and channel that strength into calls to your senators. Yeah, yeah. Let us know if you did it. Drop a comment. Yeah. And also let us know who you think um, should get a golden pantsuit next week. We're always looking for stories of exciting, just women crushing it out there. So let us know. (laughs) All right, Kat, we'll talk to you next week. Well, we'll talk to you soon, but on the podcast, we'll talk to you next week. Yeah, I'll talk to you in like today. See you guys later. Bye. Bye, Kat. Bye, Kat. All right. So always great to hear from Kat. Um, You know, she's one of our kind of three person team. It's the three of us that, you know, are working with our volunteers to, you know, do the work of Pantsuit Nation to keep fostering this community, to keep it inclusive, keep it inspiring, um, keep bringing these calls to action to you in the most direct way. And, um, you know, I'm excited about this first podcast, Courtney. It's, um, I know. Here, here we, we are. It. We did it. I know. It feels great. I mean, we can't thank. Are you still recording? I, yes. The button is still on. I can see the little That's lever good. dot thingies moving. Oh my gosh. My technical knowledge is so low. Um, thank goodness for <laughs> our wonderful team keeping us in line. So a bunch of thank yous. Yeah, we've yeah. got a round of thank yous. I mean, first of all, Christy Klein-Davis and Amanda Littman joining us for this very first podcast. Christy sharing her amazing story. Amanda giving us more information about how you can run for office and what she's been doing. That's just a wonderful way to kick off um, what Pantsuit Nation is all about, which is really um, becoming active participants in in our democracy. Um, and of course, we can't thank Kat enough. She's always an incredible uh, person to chat with and, you know, our the, the third leg of the Pantsuit Nation stool. So we're, we're really, uh, it's just so exciting to have talked to these amazing women today. And thanks to our listeners for um, bearing with us. You know, as uh, Courtney alluded to, this is um, where can sometimes be sort of technological Luddites, despite running a 4 million person Facebook group. This is, um, you know, we're just, we're just people that kind of, we care about this. We're inspired by all of the members in our group, by the stories that we hear. And we really feel, I mean, this pod is your pod, right? Like this is something that we hope will be a resource, will be something that becomes an inspiring part of, of your week. Uh, we hope that you will subscribe. Um, if you go to the Apple podcast app or wherever you get your podcast, subscribe to this pod is your pod. Um, that way you'll get the episodes for free every week. They'll automatically download to your phone or however you listen to your podcasts. Um, and thank you to our sponsors for supporting uh, the work that we're doing. 
to Parachute, to Books, and to Latote. Uh, and of course, a huge thank you to our team at Digital Media who produces and distributes our show, sticking with us through our fumbling <laughs> slightly here and there with what we're doing. But so thankful to them um, and to that whole team. Absolutely. And, and you um, can, um, so you can learn even more about us. You can check out pantsuitnation.org. There'll be a blog post about this episode with that really awesome Oprah picture that we promised. So please... Um, you know, send us your thoughts in the comments, any questions you might have, share your stories about your experiences running for office. You can also find us on Instagram and Twitter at Pantsuit Nation. So tag us in your posts and tweets. And just a quick reminder, if this podcast has inspired you to run for office, you can check out runforsomething.net and um, get the process started, get the ball rolling. Awesome. Well, thank you, Courtney. Great to talk to you. I'm really excited and looking forward to next week. All right, Libby. Well, that is this pod is your pod. And we're, you know, remember that this democracy is your democracy. So stay engaged. Awesome. Thanks, Court. See you later. Talk to you soon, Lib. Bye. Bye. Bye.